Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Hairstylist here, your host of the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast, a platform that allows the voices of the beauty industry to empower with the spoken word. Thank you for joining us today on today's show. We're currently over 57,000 downloads, thanks to you, and on over 40-plus podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Audible, and Spotify. So owner of an award-winning Hype Hair Studio from 2009 to 2019, Kaylee Oje has a lot of hype around her name, and I'm so glad <laughs> we have her here today. She's a certified John Maxwell. John Maxwell is like incredible. Team train trainer coach, L'Oreal Professional Business, a trainer coach, a course creator with inspiring champions, and a winner of Canada's Best Beauty Talent. She grew her salon to over 1.1 million. Can you believe that? So if somebody can do that coming from nothing and she'll share her story and then she can show you how you can potentially do that as well. For the last five years, Kaylee has been dedicated to sharing her 25 years of experience in the beauty industry with salon owners worldwide. Her passion to empower salon owners and take charge of their business using an easy-to-apply tools and strategies led her to create her online membership program. So endorsed by West West Coast Beauty Salon Scale, John Maxwell Team Certified Member, L'Oreal Professional Paris, and Beauty Council of Western Ontario, let's welcome today's guest, Kaylee Auger, to the show. Welcome, Kaylee. Oh, thanks, Brad, for an amazing introduction. That's so nice. <laughs> did I get your last name right? You did. I did. Yeah, OJ. Yeah, French, I married a Frenchman. I married yeah, a Frenchman. Yeah, so I'm French. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I better get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So, so, Kaylee, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Um, oh, right. Well, beauty related. Well, hello all to all the listeners here. I'm so happy to be here today. And um, my background in the industry starts from back when I was 15. And I started skipping high school to go wash hair in the hair salon. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom thought I was at school and I'd, you know, rush home to get the automatic phone call to that said you weren't at school that day. And uh, was I was washing away. Um, and that was my kickoff to my career that's lasted my lifetime now. <laughs> Well, so what was the turning point when you knew you wanted to be in the beauty industry? You said at like 15, you're washing hair. So what made you as a kid want to skip school and want to like be in the beauty industry? Yeah, it actually goes back to one. I was just talking about a friend of mine. Her name's Anouk and she's uh, she's about eight years older than me. And I was just in awe of her. She was such a beautiful person and she was doing hair in the salon and she used to show me like, she'd say, Oh, look at all of this cash, this money I made just doing like what I love. And she was just so vibrant. And I thought, wow, like that looks promising. I didn't really like school. I didn't like academics. Um, and I just loved being in the vibe of the salon. And so just from a really young age, I was fixated on, um, you know, getting the skills to be able to do that for myself. Yeah, that's amazing because uh, I'm studying a lot of, of, of salon owners, millionaires, billionaires, most of those millionaires plus all dropped out of school or didn't go or you know what I mean? So real life education was kind of the best. And for you, it's kind of missing some classes to do what you loved. You must have loved it so much because you became a salon owner. Yeah. So with with your salon, tell me about your experience as a salon owner, like getting into it, kind of how you set it up. You know, was it a great experience for you? 
you know, just well, everything. <laughs> yeah, let me give you kind of the synopsis. So I, I kind of say it like this. I spent the first 10 years of my career serving my clients. And so I had the opportunity to be a commissioned employee with an amazing mentor, Rosalind Sitar, who taught me everything I know. And I credit like all my skills that I have doing hair to her. And then I rented a chair, which was like a stepping stone to owning my own salon. And I really did it because of the, I wanted to build a team um, and I really wanted to empower people and I wanted to make a difference. And so that was always my driving factor to opening a salon. Um, I thought it was going to be easier than it was because I had had so many amazing, beautiful opportunities already in the first 10 years of doing hair. Mm. Um, I worked with West Coast. They got me on with sexy hair concepts and I was already teaching by the time I was 18. Um, I was teaching classes at West Coast Beauty. Wow. And by the time I was 20, I was traveling the world teaching. Um, at 21, I was in Thailand teaching there. Um, I was in Paris, I was all through the US. And so my career path, like from 15 to 25, mm -hmm. was just always climbing up, right? And I thought, God, how can I get any better than this? Like, this is amazing. And so I thought opening a salon would continue to climb up. And the first couple years, well, I'd say the first year, so that was 2009, um, was really fun, but I was working six days a week behind the chair. I was hustling. I was working really hard. And then I got pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so 2009, I opened yeah. my, my business, right? Mm -hmm. I had no business skills. I had skipped most of high school, barely graduated. Um, but I had a lot of passion and I had a lot of drive and determination. Um, so I was just working really, really hard. And um, I thought if I did everything for my team and I had all the great product lines, I mean, all of them, like we had like seven lines going on wow. or something crazy like that. I didn't know about inventory stocking or anything. Um, and so in 2011, I had my daughter and um, I thought, oh, we'll go on a mat leave. And my husband's French, so we'll go to France. And the very first payroll bounced <gasps> while I was in France with my oh, baby. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I had the eye-opening realization that as soon as you took me out of the salon, the, the business was not working, right? Mm -hmm. There was no business to be had. It was just like I was paying people to stay there out of the work that I was doing and um, overpaying people and just like a lot of leaks, like a big leaky bucket, right? You just keep putting water in and the water just keeps leaking out. Um, so that's where I found myself at that point around 2011, yeah, because I find a lot of people think that they can go to school, you just open a salon, build it, they will come, turn key, you hire some people, money's going to flow and you don't have to like worry about anything because all the staff are going to respect all the use of products. They're going to, you know, retail, they're going to rebook, they're going to, you know, have people come back, they're going to be a model employee, but real life tells us it's not always that way. And yes, we do have some amazing uh, employees. So a shout out to them that kind of make the business like their own, that if you're away, you can trust them. You know that, you know, um, in my own salon, I had to, whenever I went away for a holiday, I had to have shut down. So I paid everybody to be off that week. Boom. Yeah. So I had no issues because as soon as you leave the shop, even if you're gone for a couple hours, your phone's lighting up and we've got the issues. <laughs> you got that issue. You got to go. And I was a multi-salon owner. So when you're going from one salon to the other salon and back and forth, 
it can get a lot, especially if they're not close by to each other. And then when you get to the other shop, this big thing that was supposed to be massive really wasn't anything at all. So yeah. we, we were just talking about that. It's like Murphy's law, right? The owner goes out of town and all of a sudden everything start, starts to break down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then going back a little bit, you had the drive, you had the passion, you had the determination because it seemed from that few years that you had that you went to traveling all over and being able to work with uh, brand companies, which is like a dream for most hairstylist salon owners that work years and years and years that are still wannabes that haven't been able to do it. Can you give a tip um, for people that want to be like a brand ambassador or want to get to work with companies? Or were you lucky that sometimes which happened to me is they approach me. So it made a lot easier for me yeah. to be, you know, a platform artist and things like that. Yeah. I, I don't think it's luck. I think it's um, the determination piece because I coach and mentor a lot of people now. And I think a lot of people have these ideas in their head of what they want to do, but they never tell anyone mm. and they don't, and they don't get specific enough. And so um, I knew like the first time I saw someone on stage doing platform I was also in awe of them like I'm like oh like I want to do that right so I had that like idea already mm -hmm. and so I was looking for opportunities for that and Roslyn um, told me that uh, Ro from West Coast Beauty here in BC was looking for an educator and it's really funny when I look back at it now because I've known Ro now this whole my whole career and I literally like begged him for the job. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever and, it takes. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Roslyn had recommended me, but then I got, it was actually at her house and we were in her little office mm -hmm. and the interview was kind of like, why should I pick you? And I'm like, pick me. Like, I really want to do this. Just pick yeah. me. I'll like, won't let you down. Um, and I was like 18. I had barely even any skill. I remember yeah. he filled a room of 50 people mm -hmm. and I had just got out of hairdressing school. And so of course I, I taught them the tricks I had learned from Rosalind yes. and they were all in awe because she's amazing. And she had taught me a few little tricks and she prepared mm -hmm. me for the class. And mm -hmm. that first class, I guess it was either like a sink or swim kind of situation, right? Because I was definitely under equipped. Um, but it it, and I even had someone that I had been their apprentice like a couple years earlier was in the class and I was like sweating buckets and mm -hmm. uh, but it went well and uh, it was such a, you know, dose of adrenaline and excitement. And so that just was like on my way. And I worked for Sexy Hair Concepts, I think it was about eight years. Um, mm -hmm. And then they had sold and the company changed a lot and it wasn't aligning with my values as much. Mm -hmm. And I really loved the team at L'Oreal Professional. Like it was Anna Pachuti, Pachuti, Pachuti I don't know how to say her last name now. Yeah, Anna, um, I love her. I yeah, love Danielle her. Benoit. And yeah. so again, I just really fixated on like, that's the team I want to work with. Mm -hmm. And I went after L'Oreal to work for them. So I didn't go apply at every brand out there. And I think that's mm -hmm. where you know, our listeners maybe get confused of like, they think they're waiting for an opportunity to come their way, or they're trying a lot of different places. But when you actually really know what you want, like that impresses people and people want to work with you because you want to work with them. And it, so I think like, if you're looking for an opportunity out there, you want to get really specific about why you want it, who it is, and go after that opportunity yourself. 
Exactly. And being clear, being focused. But I think what got you the other one, you were so excited where people would apply anywhere. It's like, why do you want it? And then people give the pat answers, but they could see it in your body. They could hear it in your voice and that you were driven. And then to give you a class of 50, which may sound small to some, but when you're a new educator, 50 <laughs> is like overwhelming. It yeah, can be overwhelming. Exactly. You can get stage fright. You're going to like everything I know in my head is now going to go out the window. Well, and I was 18 too, right? Yeah. I didn't have like a ton of life experience behind me or storytelling or anything like that. So yeah, room of 50 at that point was was big. But obviously then when you do a show, it's hundreds of people. And it's Well, a of course. Volume. And I think always as an educator, like people think I can't teach. I don't know anything. We always know something or a little bit more than the than someone else so basically yeah. that's the audience you're going to go for is somebody that wants to go where you are now that haven't been there yet the same with your kind of teaching so with yours what was the turning point where you wanted to um put your focus on finances for salon owners yeah so this takes me back to I, i've always been interested in money because my family didn't have any and it's not that I love money or I'm money hungry or anything like that, but I find that money can make decisions for you. And the when you have enough money and you don't have to think about it, you can make your own decision. Mm -hmm. And that's what really attracted me because I saw my family making decisions based on the money that they had. And they weren't necessarily the best decisions or the right decisions for them, but it was a decision based on like how much money they had. And so at a young age, probably like about 16, I had decided like, I don't want to make my choices, my life choices based on money. Mm -hmm. So that equals, I need to get money out of the picture, meaning I need to have enough money that I don't, I can make my choices without having to consider the cost of things. So that was a seed planted, you know, really early in a decision that I made. Mm -hmm. So did and you, with your parents, um, did you always hear those things? Money doesn't grow on trees, can't course. afford it, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a, a ton of them, right? That of course. You, you're like, I'm never going to say those words to my kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and know? Brad, you know what? My mom would take a calculator to the grocery store because there was no credit cards and mm -hmm. they had the budget. Like You had to live within your budget. And so she would take the calculator and as she would put the items in the cart, she'd add them in the calculator all to avoid like an insufficient funds message mm -hmm. at the till. Cause that was just that amount that she had for her yes. groceries. Right. And so for me, that was really um, like, whoa, whoa, like I don't want to be in that position. Right. So I started reading the wealthy barber, which was mm -hmm. fitting at that time. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, Rich dad, poor dad. And mm -hmm. since then probably read every single money book. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about money or they think money mm -hmm. is a hard conversation but I really think see it as just a tool to be able to like amplify who you are already and so when you can like actually learn to produce income it's really cool because you can give it away you can support causes that you love you can help mm -hmm. your family you can do things um that you're passionate about without having to be like oh I would help that person if mm -hmm. I had the money um, so that was really inspiring for me to see, you know, all those techniques in the book, they really work. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, I want to share them because they worked for me. Um, and it started out that I actually want to share them with my team. So when I bought my salon, I thought, here's a group of young, um, it was mostly women. Sometimes we had a couple 
couple of men, but it was mostly women. And I said, I want to inspire them um, to be able to have the success with money that I was able to have. And so that's when I started to kind of create some programs to start teaching what I had experienced about money. Exactly. And a lot of things, I mean, people all, you know, when you hear things like the root money is the root of all evil, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's really not because a lot of times, some people, yes, may be in love with money and they want to make more, make more just for themselves. But like you said, there's usually I do when I when I do coaching, I have something called the the why that makes you cry. So it's a drill down. So it's never actually that one thing. It's always something else. Yes, you may need money, but it's usually maybe to take care of your elderly parents. Maybe it's to buy that car you need because you've been, you know, taking the bus to work for five years. Maybe it's, uh, you know, that you want to spend more time with friends and family. Maybe it's because so one thing that's going around the internet now is you're lucky to be an owner because you get to choose which 80 hours you get to work, which I find <laughs> hysterical because I think we all did that in the beginning. But now I think the point of that is you become an owner so you don't have to work 80 hours a week. And mm -hmm. I don't believe that you shouldn't spend time on your business and in your business, but also too, we don't all work that we have to do at 80 hours a week that in the end, all we've done is you know, had a business, service clients, paid bills, you know, and then that was our daily thing, come back, do yeah. it all again. And in the end, never get a vacation. So we work, you know, we work 14 hours. So we get a couple hours sleep, we work 50 weeks, so we can get two off. Like that to me is not life. That's not no. why you you do this. Mm -hmm. Like, and most of us say with with education, we're in school, you know, until high school or even college university so there's like 20 some years of your life already gone just with school yeah. and mm -hmm. then now you have to get a job now you have to so to be an entrepreneur it takes a lot to step out there but i think the risk being an entrepreneur i think it's worth it just to kind of um it, the main goal is not money i think the main goal is to serve and that's yeah. what we should do in our businesses um mm -hmm. money comes from service but I also think that, like you said, with money, we can do things for people. We can do projects in other countries. We can help. We can adopt, you know, an animal. We can do all kinds of stuff that make the world a better, a better planet. So with a lot of the hairstylists, with you find your own experience, but the people that you talk to as a coach, what are the most, some of the most common mistakes that salon owners make? Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking that. Uh, I love that you said, um, you know, we can make the money with their passion because that's so true. And that's how I made money was, you know, I was so passionate about making my client happy. Like, I don't understand this culture today of firing clients. Like I just was like, I was on a mission to make the most difficult client happy. You would and win you them make, over. <laughs> you win them over. And when you make the most difficult client happy, they're yours for life because not mm -hmm. very many people are willing to do what it takes to make them happy. Um, so when I hear this culture of people like firing clients so easily because, you know, probably they don't have good communication skills to set their boundaries. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that's, you know, there's an extreme case for that yes. where it's necessary, but it shouldn't be the norm, I would say. Um, so what do I see as the biggest mistakes? Well, the passion piece brings the income in. Mm -hmm. So it brings the revenue in. But then what do you do with that revenue is where the mistakes start to happen. 
And so that's where we need teaching, training and understanding of our financials because I had a 600. So I bought my salon was at 200,000 in sales. I grew it very quickly to 600,000 in sales that year. We were 1% profitable. I worked six days behind the chair. I didn't take a paycheck. Mm -hmm. So we were passionate and we were driving sales and we were growing, but I was not managing that money in the business tightly well enough. Um, And the number one was the payroll leak. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared of changing the way we paid people. And I had bought a salon with kept their pay scale. And, you know, Uh, obviously they sold because they weren't making money. um, mm -hmm. And I didn't change their pay scale because I didn't want to lose the people. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I could clean up the rest of the business. And so I was tightening every area, like negotiating with vendors and finding this like smallest merchant fee and, Mm -hmm. you know, really trying to like make the business work. But the payroll was just so out of whack that, you know, whatever I cleaned up in the end, I ended up having to completely change our, the way we paid people. And then we started to become profitable. And um, so that was really hard, right? That was really, really hard. And so the, the mistakes that I see, I would say when we talk about money mistakes, the biggest mistakes are the payroll to either overpaying the commission or having too much support staff um, equal payroll problems. Uh, and any salon, you know, four chairs or under probably doesn't need a receptionist or an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the numbers just don't work out. And the second one would be back bar waste wastage, just like hundreds, thousands going down the drain and it's not benefiting anybody. So it's a really great place to clean up your business because you're not taking back from anyone. You're not like lowering the experience to client. You're just cleaning things up. Um, so that's a great place to, to clean up your business. And then sometimes people just get into leases that are way too high for Mm -hmm. the operations that they're doing, right? Like I was consulting with this girl who had just signed a $7,000 lease and it was her and her sister who had no clientele and we're just starting out. I mean, you need to be doing like 70 grand a a month to cover that kind of lease, right? And Mm -hmm. they just don't understand. They think, well, if I can do 10,000 myself, then I can cover the $7,000 rent. But we both know it doesn't work that way, right? Um, so those would be like the financial mistakes, but the the mistake I see right now, the biggest mistake I see right now, I would call it like misplaced priorities. Mm. And when I say that, um, everybody wants to do what's like fun and sexy in their business and what looks good on paper. Mm. And so everyone wants to recreate their new website. They think maybe if they change their messaging, more people will come. Um, they think if they get better at their social media and so they're spending a lot of time, or maybe they need a new floor to make their salon Mm -hmm. look a bit more beautiful. And even a lot of people got this COVID money and renovated their businesses Mm -hmm. while they were closed and not bringing any revenue. Right. So I'd call that like misplaced priorities because you're fixing things that are actually not fixing the actual problems in your business. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with social media, because everybody bef- before, you know, I mean, in a town, you could be the only hair salon or you in another salon. The competition wasn't there. But now there's so many places that clients can go. And yeah, you can have slick advertising. You can have like I could see this ad, the ad is done beautifully. It looks great. And then I walk in and the receptionist ignores me. Mm -hmm. Then I finally get to talk to them. I make an appointment. The stylist says, Hey, go to the back. I've never been there before. Nobody shows me where the back is. Go to the shampoo area, get the shampoo. Now I've got water in my ears, soap in my, (laughs) and water down my back. And then I get to the stylist (laughs) who is trouble, double and triple booked. 
You know what I mean? So yes, you're getting them in, but I probably wouldn't come back to a shop like that. Maybe I had to do use the restroom and then I found it was worse than a, a, a garage. <laughs> you know garage. those the gas station garage <laughs> washrooms oh, gosh, that never no, been you know because one person i had actually one stylist came in and and i interviewed them they said can i use your restroom so they said i wouldn't have taken the job if your restroom had been dirty because that's a reflection mm -hmm. of how everybody cares about the business so of course in yeah. mind it's immaculate but you know what i mean but that that raised a concern like yes why, if somebody's not taking care of those little things or has a ring around their stuff, it takes 30 seconds to sweep your station. I worked in one shop where we had to sweep, vacuum, and then mop every single night to make sure everything was clean. There wasn't one stitch of hair. But that's the thing. It's about really creating that experience. If you're going to do all this stuff to get people in, make sure the experience you're offering is one that they're going to become an advocate for and tell their friends, like yeah. I go in and I have to tell Kaylee, I went to this place. They came in, they did aromatherapy. They had candles. They, the shampoo technician talked to me about my, you know, whatever issues I had with my scalp, the, the, you know, the hairstylist took the time to do a great consultation. They didn't rush me through. They booked properly. And then when I got to reception, they offered me product and then, you know, asked when I'd like to rebook. So those yeah. are two different experiences. That's easy for, you know, owners and, and just even people. And that's, and I've been where, where you are, where you get, you know, you're, you're doing the advertising, you're getting people in, but with certain stylists, these clients are just going in the black hole and they're well, and not that's coming exactly back. What, yeah. The first scenario you gave is exactly, you know, I've seen it where you're just burning marketing dollars. You're just burning them up because they're coming in one time and you have a revolving door. And that's where your like data and numbers are so important because you can see all that. And so I was working with one of my salons who does amazing marketing. And so I'm like, okay, you know, it's odd that things aren't growing as fast as they should be with this marketing that you're doing. So let's have a look at the numbers. And mm -hmm. we had the one who was taking the most new clients had the poorest retention rate. And mm -hmm. so, you know, those are the things that you want to fix before you want to make sure you have like a really good retention rate and you know how to convert those calls on the phones before you start turning the marketing machine on. So in my mind, the marketing is last, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to put foundations in. We've got to know our mission, vision, values, like why our business is there, who we're serving. We need to know our financial model to make sure that it's working and at what point it will be working because otherwise you can increase like we did 600,000. I mean, that's a decent mm -hmm. sized business, you know, stylists are busy doing a lot of clients and have no profit. If even if I made it a million dollars at that point, it would still have no profit, right? Mm -hmm. So more clients, more staff doesn't equal a healthy business. And that's the other focus I see everybody's um, focusing on. They all say like, well, if I just found new staff, if I could just yeah. find staff, my business would be okay. If I could just find the right team members, my business would be okay. You can add all the staff you want. You can add all of the new clients you want, and it's not going to fix your business. So we need to make sure the financial model's there. And then we need some systems and processes to make sure that, like you said, that customer mm -hmm. experience is managed well, that not everything is counting on you because you need to be able to take time off and you need to be able to leave your business. And then when all that's in place and we know that the machine is running well, then we start marketing to it. And that's mm -hmm. when you've got the recipe for success.
Exactly. And that's something so simple, but it's something that people overlook. Like your programs sound amazing. Um, would you tell our audience a little bit more about what you offer? Sure. Well, we're doing, we've done a lot of different things. And what we found works best is we found that um, there's a lot of the same problems happening. And so we've put those into video because that way um, we can keep the cost down for people that they don't have to spend a lot of money for one-on-one where we're teaching the same things over and over. So we've got a video aspect of some of the most common things. And then we've got a group aspect because it's so great when you can learn from your peers and you can connect outside of the program and support each other. And it's just really beautiful to see that. And then we also have a one-on-one -on -one aspect because we know that you need like your own customized journey through the content because everyone's facing different things in their business and have more like different urgent needs. And so the journey looks a little different for everyone. Um, so when you work with us, you um, get your first year concierge call, which maps you through the program. And um, then you get a vision setting call where we find out like, what are you trying to achieve? Where are you trying to get? And where do you want to be four months from now when we finish the program? And then you get a call with me where I put a strategy together and we start to build all the pieces of the learning pieces that you need and the piece, the strategies that you need in your business to grow. And then we support you every day on Slack. Um, I mean, you don't have to be there every day, but we mm -hmm. show up checking Slack if there's questions and really communicate with you to move you through. So it's a real deep dive, fast track program to uh, put those pieces in place that we know make that turnkey business that you're talking about, where the owner can go, you know, a few months and come back to the business still functioning. Yeah. And I believe it's always great to have a mentor or coach, somebody to bounce stuff off, somebody to guide you, especially somebody who's actually done it before. And they're yeah. saying, okay, this is what I did in my business, but obviously they're going to cater it to the person they're, they're guiding and they're helping. So if somebody's interested in signing up or learning more, um, where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, well, maybe we can pop a link in um, sure for can. booking an evaluation call. Mm -hmm. So it would either be with me or one of my coaches. And basically, we would see if uh, we're the right fit and if um, our program suits your needs. And then uh, if it is, then we can let you know how you can sign up. And if it isn't, then we'll do our best to provide you with a resource that we think will suit your business. Yeah. And we're also going to pop some links in for anybody who's listening um, or signs up with Kaylee. Um, she has offered some free resources for you um, yeah. uh, online that you can kind of check out and that sort of thing. So as we kind of wrap up, this this time went so fast. You're probably the guest. Totally. It's when it's like <laughs> the fastest from. But what's a nugget of gold you would like to leave our audience? A nugget of gold for in the kind of financial area or business building? Just in anything, just any kind of <laughs> anything, anything you want, you feel like dropping. <laughs> well, I think right now what I'm where I'm at and what I'm seeing is um, like clarity. So I think when you have clarity about what you want and what you're doing, that gives action. I have, you know, some clients and they're like, oh, I'm struggling with procrastination or I'm or I'm not getting this opportunity that I want. And I'm like, well, tell me more about that. And I don't think they're procrastinating or they're not getting the opportunity. I think they're just not clear exactly what they want or where they want to go. Um, so I think when you can get really clear about what 
you need from your business and the really clear about the lifestyle you want to create for yourself, um, then you can start to make those things happen in your life and you can get a roadmap there and you can find someone who's already been there and you can get them to mentor you to get there. Um, but when you're kind of floundering and you're not really sure, um, that's when you get stuck in these places of like procrastination or inaction um, and just feeling like, you know, you're not moving forward. Um, so I guess that would be my nugget for today. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> nugget. It's like a, a gold boulder <laughs> because that's really what people need. They need clarity. They need focus. They need vision. But obviously, if somebody signs up with you, that's something you help them with. Yeah, that they that's can... the first thing we do. That's yeah. the first so thing we be... do is we get clear on what are we trying to achieve here? Yeah, because you want to make sure because how can you go any how can you go forward if you don't even know where you're going or you don't exactly. know what you're in in alignment with? And that's one thing you said earlier um, is that you wanted to work with companies that felt in alignment with you. And that's what some people do. They just like, I want to work with any company, whoever hires me. But if they're not really in alignment, same when I, when I have guests on the Hairstyles Empowerment Podcast, if they're not in alignment with my audience, with with how I resonate my mission and vision statement, like obviously too, they may not be the the, the right person for the show. So as yeah. we wrap up, I want to say thank you, uh, Kaylee, for being an amazing guest on today's show. We'll make sure to drop the link and I'll see you guys next time. Awesome. Thanks for having me and all the best to all of you. Um, you can borrow my passion and drive if you're lacking some right now. I've got enough to go around. <laughs> <laughs>